The following podcast is a production of The Network. Check us out on BICBP-radio.com. of Silence Your Phones, your movie review podcast found exclusively on the network at BICBP-radio.com. I'm one of your hosts, Chris Chavez. As always, I'm joined by Sean Fritz. I was going to make a comment about Rona, dude, but it's not funny anymore. Well, for you, it's not anymore. <laughs> for me, I'm, I'm laughing. Yeah, I'm, I'm certified corona-free, uh, as adults call it, corona, not rona and you are older than me, so... I call it Rona, son. You hang out with Anthony too much. And to be honest, I don't know what he calls it. Um, a joke? Uh, oh, oh let, let's let's figure this out. What would Anthony call it? Eh. <laughs> eh it, it's... Eh, eh. I'm healthy. It's okay. I'm not worried. <laughs> no, dude. Um, it is a, it's, it's touching a little closer to home this time around. I have to go get a, a test tomorrow to see what the deal is. Because I was exposed to someone that ended up getting tested a couple of days later, and then they were found to be positive. So it's not fun. I'm not. I'm like. I'm not experiencing anything. So it's not like I'm saying it's not fun in terms of, you know, the effects of it. But it's definitely not fun knowing that there's a chance. It's that, it's that unknowing. That unknowing factor. That ooh, a little uneasy. Gives you a little bit of anxiety, eh? Yeah. Exactly. And the other part of it is now it's like I have to quarantine. I'm not supposed to go anywhere. I'm not supposed to. I can't go to work, uh, which I mean, I got to work. I can work from home, so it's not a big deal. But I was supposed to have another training on. um, See, see, that's what it was when I was exposed to somebody. It was at work because one of my jobs there is to train, you know, new hires. And so I was training someone that and and we were socially distant. So we were doing that and we kept masks on anytime we, you know, got any closer or. But other than that, it's still this weird feeling. You know what I mean? Yeah, it, it's no different than, you know, I guess going to the doctor and getting blood work done because, you know, not not your normal yearly blood work. And you're like, oh, yeah. is there something wrong? Are they thinking? Mm. Yeah. And the longer it takes, the uh, the more you're like, well, there has to be something wrong. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm clearly on death's door at this point. Why haven't they called yet? Are yeah. they just waiting to see if I die before they call? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, for me, dude, it, what, it's almost seven days now since the, the contact with that person, and I'm not feeling anything yet. So I know it says it can take up to 14 days for you to feel anything, but we'll see. Um, it, again, it is a weird feeling. It's a weird thought, and it, it's it's a little frustrating, too, because I, I would expect people in this day and age now, like what's going on, the second you have a sniffle, even if you have allergies, right, don't write it off. Just be like, you know what, I'm going to stay home just to make sure. Yeah, work lets you do that now. Yes. But he, take some solace in this, Chris. And I think we can all take some solace in this. You did everything you were supposed to. Oh, yeah. You wore masks. You were distanced. You don't live in Florida right now anymore. <laughs> and you, Nor yeah, was no. this training in Florida. So yeah. 
And that's the thing. Good it was you. it wasn't exposure in terms of me going to a bar, to a restaurant, or to friends' houses or anything like that. It was literally my job. Like I had to do it. It was my job. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, do you want to hear a funny job story? Uh oh. So, what I do for my job is is a lot. I do a lot of different overlapping things and overlap mm-hmm. in not in, in in silo different silos of of organization at my job. Yeah. My my real job is training and designing voice networks, but since the end of April, mid, middle of April, when a guy quit, I was asked to do his job, which is design data networks. Oh, Com- completely different than what I was doing. But it's on your resume now. Yeah, well, because I was in the help desk initially, and because I was doing effectively, I was the jack of all trades for a while. Uh, in 2017 and part of 2018, I, I have a very good background in, in the way that my company works. So I know a lot of things. I'm, I'm the guy that they call whenever there's like a process question. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, how does this affect downstream? If we do it in this department, how does it affect the department that has it for, you know, if we have them for three months and we do in the, you know, the onboarding, how does the, how does it affect the five year, the rest of the term, three, five, seven year term, uh, with the support team and with billing? That's where I come in. They just ask me these questions because I, I I'm very vocal. So anyway, mm-hmm. back to the story. Uh, so, um, I was supporting one of the so there's two of us that do the voice design i haven't done it in a while so he's been doing a majority of it but because he's in connecticut where this customer is he mm-hmm. was going to go onboard them in my on my behalf because i'd need to have a, po- a negative corona test which is positive for me if I, it's <laughs> negative um and but because he lives in that state he could just go there and then he was going to do the training virtually because the training has to be in a small room with people sharing devices and that doesn't work yeah so he does it virtually with the people with their devices at their desks uh, in, in like a 15 or 20 in a virtual environment. So he's doing the data stuff and I was supporting him. He was, you know, he's like, all right, where do I plug this in? How do I do this? Uh, and, you know, th- that was what he was doing. I was on the phone with him. The fr- this was on a Monday. The Friday before, one of their other vendors was replacing equipment there. Turns out that guy on Monday got a positive coronavirus test. Uh, oh, God. Uh, which is negative for everybody. So the entire IT staff had to be quarantined. Oh my God. And this is where I find it silly. The IT guy that was going around with my coworker didn't bring his laptop with him. Yeah. So they're using my coworker's laptop and my coworker's cell phone on speaker when I needed to relay information. And <laughs> I just have to laugh every time I tell this story because the the IT guy was with my coworker and the this vendor Friday night and uh and then so my coworker calls me Monday night and he's like I just got told that their their vendor tested positive today and I was with the guy that he was with on Friday we wore our masks I washed my hands he sneezed one time I was like, did you burn the building down? It's <laughs> like, no, but that would have been a better idea. Yeah. Uh, uh, and they went out to lunch together. Oh, God. They took their masks off to eat. Oh, God. Uh, he used his cell phone because apparently. Oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah. And this is like contagion. I'm seeing like the, uh-huh. the touching of everything going, nope, nope, like, nope. The keys on your laptop are just starting to turn purple and look like that amorphous amoeba blob. Oh, God. Uh, he also used his cell phone, which is dirtier than anything in your house, including your toilet. Um, so I, I was like, what do you do? I, what are we doing? He's like, well, I'm going to be at home until I hear otherwise from them. 
Turns out the IT guy was negative, but he still didn't. And then we finished the work earlier this week, but he still didn't bring his laptop with him, which God. makes no sense. Oh, man. It's, yeah, it's definitely different. So we'll see what happens. Uh, like I said, I get the test Monday. I'm assuming I'll hear by like Wednesday or Thursday what the deal is. Uh, when is it? When are you taking it? What time of day? 11 a.m. at CVS. Yeah, and that's where I've taken all three of mine. I will have two to take in December, which I'm looking forward to. Yeah. Does CVS do the nose thing or the mouth thing? Uh, you get to do the pleasure of doing the nose thing. Oh, fun. It's, I think I told you before, it's, it's, uh, it leaves a little bit of fun to be desired, but if you don't like jam it up fast, you should be fine. Oh, so slow, slowly, like insert slowly. Insert slowly until you feel that membrane and then just like slowly push it back towards your face a little bit and then up a little bit more and then just rotate as you know, for 15 uncomfortable seconds. Oh my God. The thing said the thing I saw said it only had to go an inch, like barely an inch in. Yeah, but that's an inch into the membrane area. Oh God, no thanks. Well, maybe that's why mine have all been negative. <laughs> You're like, I, I guess I've never gone far enough. Yeah, that's awful to say, isn't it? <laughs> well, I guess I'm okay because I foiled the test. They leave it. They left it up to you, right? It's like, uh, yeah. yo, you weren't trained for collecting those samples. Exactly. Well, it's like uh, it's liken it to putting a uh, like a thumbtack in your shoe when you take a polygraph. <laughs> and you're just thinking about that the entire time. Yeah. Oh, man. We'll see. We'll see what happens, dude. Um, I'm sure the next time we record, I'll have an update for that. Uh, hopefully it's good news. But the good news is we are doing movies today. We're not just talking Rona. Uh, we're doing a double feature as promised on the last episode. We decided we're going to be doing... Uh, an old school 1986 film and it wasn't even a remake it was just kind of like the live action version of it for 2007 well not even a version of it it's just whatever we did transformers the movie a new motion picture will transform the summer of 1986 into an incredible adventure transformers the movie epic story of good versus evil. This spectacular animated adventure stars Orson Welles as Unicron, Leonard Nimoy as Galvatron, Robert Stack as Ultra Magnus, Judd Nelson as Hot Rod, and Eric Idle as the Junkion Warrior Rekgar. The most exciting adventure in the universe is on planet Earth. Transformers, the movie. Coming this summer to a theater near you. And then Transformers. Got a little surprise for you, son. No, 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 Dad! Oh, you gotta be kidding me. Yeah, I am. You're not getting a Porsche. <laughs> Let me tell you something, son. A driver don't pick the cars. Mm-mm. The cars pick the driver. 
It's a mystical bond between man and machine. Civilization far superior to our own. Our enemy can take any shape. They could be anywhere. It's a robot. You know, like a super advanced robot. It's probably Japanese. No, 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 no! Basically, be an interesting it, conversation <laughs> yeah this is basically when the technology caught up to the ability to hand draw what we had what was seen 21 years prior 30 yeah. 20 yeah 21 years prior exactly um the transformer transformers the movie we we slightly touched on just as in reference when we talked about gi joe the movie uh because it was part of a package of films that was supposed to be coming out around the same time and I think G, uh, Transformers came out first, third. and third really. It was, it was the so it was My Little Pony, Trans uh, GI Joe, and when Duke was killed but not killed and put into a coma, that's when they said, "All right, well, this is just going to be made for TV as a an interlude in between the two seasons, uh, seasons two and three, rather." Which what are you talking so, about, Transformers? Yeah, yeah, they, they were like, yeah, um, we're gonna go ahead and because they killed. Optimus I thought Prime they released well. it. I, I think they released. I thought they released it in the film in the in the theater. Was it? Yeah, I think what it was was Transformers came out first, and what what the big deal of what happened with Prime and that, and how it affected everybody. That's why they changed the storyline for GI Joe and didn't end up killing Duke. You're, you know, you're right. You're right. Yeah, there was yeah. a lot of backlash, and then they brought Optimus Prime back twice, and he was awful both times. <laughs> in, in the but, uh, in continuity of G One, the animated series. Yeah, yeah. But we, let's get let's get into it immediately then. So the way we're going to do it today, we're just gonna we're gonna break down the films the way we normally do, but we're gonna go back and forth with each of the films and just kind of comment on them as we do it. Um, so for the 1986 uh, Transformers movie and 2007 Transformers, we're gonna talk about the plot. 
86 film. Basically, the plot is that, that there's this, what would you call Unicron? Just a Galactus. planet? Like a Galactus, it's, right? It's Galactus. But Eater he of needs, worlds. Yeah, but he needs to have the, he needs to, he can't do it himself. Well, I mean, he could probably, but they, they held it just long enough to keep your engagement. But yeah, they, they wanted to, he, he needed to have the Autobot Matrix of Leadership, a.k.a. the AllSpark. Mm-hmm. Uh, destroyed so that there was nothing in his way. So he had to send his herald, Silver Surfer or Galvatron, who was a remake of Megatron, to take out the Autobots, which things were looking pretty bleak. And then yeah. an unknown, a foreshadowed event in the beginning of the movie uh, showed what would actually happen at the end. Yeah, but that's basically the film is that there's this impending, you know, eater of worlds coming and the Autobots want to try to stop it from happening. And well, no, at first, that's not even the case. At first, what you know, they're just fighting off the Decepticons like nor it felt it felt like, you know, when you saw them interacting at the beginning of the film or, or most of the film, it was just a regular show, an episode, because it was just them battling each other for, you know, uh, what are they? Energon cubes. Yeah, they were running. They were running low on Energon. So they go to Earth. There was, you know, a lot of battling happening. And then there's this realization like, oh, crap, there's some stuff happening up here. Uh, We're going to need your guys' help. And there's a lot, dude. There's a lot in this film in in terms of the plot. You know what I mean? Because there's there's the whole thing that's happening with Megatron. It it almost felt like they they, when they did G.I. Joe. They did the Cobra Commander kind of same storyline the way they did with Megatron, right? Like, like he's he's this obviously he's been their their leader. Sometimes you know he's a little he falls short, uh, and then there's this kind of fall where his people turn on him, and then this kind of evolution where he evolves into this other being. Yeah, it's it's basically an evolution of the character, no different than like you said, Cobra Commander, and they're. Uh, you find out or you you learn or see or were introduced to that who controls the leader of the evil group you know serpent uh serpentor's boss in gi joe yeah. um um uh mick from rocky i can't remember burgess meredith's yeah. voice to mike can't remember his name um yeah the, the the serpent thing i forgot what it was yeah serpent king or the guy that with the big plume skirt that <laughs> yeah. was made out of plants and you know, and Unicron, who is the leader, who co-ops Megatron and makes him Galvatron. Yeah, but basically, that that's it's a it's a there's like this kind of three layered plot happening in this film. Um, but a lot of it, it just felt like from beginning to end, it was a 1980s like cart because when you watch the cartoons, right. Uh, a big part of it was like the battles, the fighting with the like 80s rock music behind it. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And it felt like that's what this was the entire thing. There was it was rare where it, it there was no like 80s hair metal rock playing in the background just trying to get the, you know, the troops up and going. But you are always engaged. Yes. Oh, yeah. It looks great, dude. Like when we get to visuals. Yeah, definitely. It looks great. And it keeps you engaged. And I think it keeps you engaged because at least for me. This was, like I said, with, with G.I. Joe, immediately with this, again, I had that, like, this is Saturday morning. Let me grab my bowl of cereal and let me get into this because it's, it's, it's what we grew up with, man. I loved, I, loved, I loved watching it again. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was fun. The, 
I think the there was a plot. Idea. Oh, uh, the whole idea of this. Think of this like House of M from from the X Men comics. Yeah, where Scarlet Witch was like, "No more mutants," and it was basically let's downsize our characters so mm-hmm. that we can bring in more to- make so that we can introduce more mm-hmm. and make more toys exactly more money exactly this was kind of like the the handing of the torch the kind of uh jumping off of a new generation of uh, of transformers yeah and I, I think it was done you know pretty well i mean very theatrically obviously it was a movie but also you know once we get into the art we'll talk about that but you know very i think the story was done in a way that it was like there are stakes optimus prime is dead mm-hmm. what are we gonna do and yeah. then ultra magnus gets you know blown up and then they just plug him back in let's which... talk about that too right with the fact that like they went off and killed not just prime dude they killed off a lot of of autobots at the very beginning of this mm-hmm. film and it was it was done in a very execution style kind of disturbing when they when when the decepticons get on the ship and just start blowing the hell out of all these autobots you know what i mean oh absolutely i mean it was it was to set the stage of we're coming for you and you're, you know, we're going to get, we're going to, I don't even know what military st- strategy to liken it to. It might be like a blitzkrieg, mm-hmm. but, you know, maybe with that tenacity and aggressiveness, but not so much like the panzer movements and the two prong attack. Because, you know, if you know anything about war strategy, yeah. the blitzkrieg, the officers were not up on the front lines like Megatron was. No. This and this, the, and this, this also had the message of this is not your Saturday morning cartoon. Mm-mm. Right, like this guy, we're going to kill him, and you're just left going, "Holy shit!" Yeah, you they did. They killed him. <laughs> they killed him. Um, the one thing I had a question about, dude, is when he died. Why did his like color change? Why did he just turn all gray? Like, did, well, don't did the, you do that? The metal paint just kind of fade away. Um, maybe that's the, maybe that's the equivalent, or at least the um. To show that you know all the life has left his body, yeah. All the, the I don't know, the oil has stopped coursing through his, uh, uh, you know, his vein, his, you know, in between his stuff. I don't, I don't maybe it's to sh- to signify to, to dumb, stupid kids, which at the time we were, yeah, that there was that he was now lifeless, Done. His, yeah, he was dead, and and it's 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 affecting, like it it definitely drives home the point. Yeah, well, and I mean, Starscream when he got got later in the film he crumbled and was gray when he crumbled yeah but that was also a, a much different type of death exactly all right dude let's jump over to 2007's plot i gotta tell you i do like the plot for this one i think the plot for this one is actually really cool uh the idea is is you know back in the 30s um megatron ended up crashing to earth uh, in the arctic circle and, and, you know, and freezing, basically getting stuck and frozen. But he was coming to Earth because he was looking for the AllSpark, uh, which we find out has had been on Earth for a while. Uh, and the um, United States government had it and was hiding it in the Hoover Dam. Um, Clever retconning of a national landmark. Right. That, I thought that was really cool, too. I was like, OK, I like this a lot. The other thing is, is, uh, is we're introduced to Sam Witwicky and... You know, he's going and getting his first his car for the first time, and we find out that it was his great great grandfather or great grandfather who okay. had discovered Megatron. Um and, accidentally. Yeah, accidentally. And had uh, you know, again, accidentally the coordinates of the of of where the all spark was kind of in you know, 
what, what would you call engraved into his glasses? I mean, yeah, know, they were burned it, into like, it. Like a prescription. It was imprinted on his glasses because you don't wear glasses, but I, I do if, when I'm not wearing contacts. But if you take your glasses to a place and you say, I need new lenses or whatever, mm-hmm. they will just simply shoot a laser at your glasses and they will get the prescription reading from it because it can, you know, this special laser can read the, 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 not the design, but like the, the, the corrective, yeah, the correctiveness of the lenses, oh, okay. the way it reflects, reflects and all that stuff. Oh, nice. So I same, same, that. same idea, I guess. I mean, they were, or, or they were just, Hey, they were UV lights that he, that he shined on it and it just stained the glasses, but yeah. no one could see it because we can't see the ultraviolet spectrum. Yeah. Uh, and then the idea is Sam has a lot of his grandfather, great grandfather's old stuff and is constantly trying to hawk it. He's got it all up for sale on, on eBay, uh, which really how much did eBay pay to continue to get pumped in this movie? Uh, the amount of times that it was mentioned was insane. Um, but anyway, that's the plot. The idea is that this is here. The Decepticons are coming for it. The Autobots uh, are here as well because we find out that Bumblebee was kind of sent as the, what do you call it, the scout, right, to find Sam and mm-hmm. kind of become a, a guardian of him until the, the rest of the Autobots could get here. Um, and that's it. That's the that's the movie. It's not, it's, not la- it's not too many layers. It's straight up, you know, this is here. The bad guys are coming for it. The good guys are coming for it, and this kid's in the middle of all of it, and he's basically the key holder. Yeah, I mean, it's it's basically a boy in his car, <laughs> and his car just happens to be the anti-Christine, you know, and, you know, we see throughout the course of the movie the, you know, the uh, the Autobots, how they, you know, in, in that one scene, one um, 80s montage style, you know, where, where they, you see them all land, and then they... They're running around like a bunch of goofy giant iron giants, and and then you see them like they're like all of a sudden they're transforming. But you're like, well, how'd that happen? And then you see Bumblebee take off because he got his feelings hurt. He got his tailpipe hurt, and he scan. You see him scan the Camaro and then come back as a 20, 2007, 2008 Camaro. But I think what was it before or right after that? When then you see. Optimus running away and then uh, a truck drive by and then you just see him yeah. molding into that Peterbilt and you're like, that's the stuff right there. Yeah. Yeah, that is pretty sweet. Um, but it made me think this as well. How, why wouldn't they just, you know, like when they were trying to run from, I don't know, the cops, things like that, when when the when the, the Sector 7 were coming after them, why didn't they get on, on the freeway, scan other vehicles and just change into those? It's a movie. <laughs> They used all the GM vehicles. Yeah, they yeah. couldn't. They, they couldn't be a different one. I You're mean, right. they killed the. Uh, they killed the GM brand not long after this movie, <laughs> which is hilarious. But, but, uh, but yeah. So this is this is strictly. I mean, this is straight straight up the film. Uh, not much more to the plot than that. It's this. Oh, I'll the tell film. you why. Oh, there is an underlying plot too. Sorry, go ahead. I'll tell you why they they couldn't do that. Was because when I forget who it uh, it was Ironhide, if I'm not mistaken, had said. Starscream when Starscream was a fighter was a fighter jet so he knew it was Starscream even when he was in his vehicle mode Mm -hmm. so I guess they can still recognize them in one Mm -hmm. way shape smell them hear them yeah yeah Um, so that's that's probably why yeah so so there you go so so the other plot though there's just this kind of underlying romantic plot between Sam and uh what was Megan Fox's name I can't remember now 
it was Megan Fox, uh, Michaela. Michaela, yeah. This yeah. this kind of you know teenage, teenage angsty, yeah, nerdy kid tries to land the the ten. Um, yeah. that's it though. This is the plot. You're not getting anything anything too deep. It's straight. It, this is a Michael Bay film, so you know you're not. It's this is this is what you're getting. Yeah, you're getting in this level in this order. Um, female exploitation. Yep. Uh, then you're getting probably at an even keel uh, or even uh, tied for second, let's say. Giant CGI robots fighting each other. Yep. And explosions. Yep, obviously. And then and then at the very end of the list, you're getting plot. Yeah. And don't That's forget it. to sprinkle in uh, lens flare, uh, a lot of slow swooping crane shots, um, a lot of military helicopters, um slow motion you know what i mean like every it's we talked about this when we did bad boys too that when you're watching michael bay you know what you're getting the dude used to be an mtv video director (laughs) so you know what you're getting with with his films and this is definitely i mean he got the money to do whatever he wanted and you know he went all out but it's a michael bay film i mean i don't know how many shots were just nonstop movement you know what i mean like the camera slowly panning sideways and and rotating as as people are talking uh, there's a shit ton of upshots, you know, from mm-hmm. a, from like the ant's point of view. Uh, uh, it was it's 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 a Michael Bay movie. The one thing I can't stand, and I remember I couldn't stand it when it happened when it first came out, and watching it again, I still felt the same way. Uh, I was not happy with the way a lot of these Autobots and Decepticons looked, like when they were transformed, when they were robots. Yeah, complete robots. Yeah, it was it, it was a reimagining of a property that was very established, and it could have been, like, like were you, were you, was it the size or was it no no the, one, it the, wasn't the size. So like, um, I'll tell you, a lot of them looked, you know, they looked a little too. I, I, the word I'm trying to say is like chippy, like it's got like chips or flecks, you know, like little uh, shards. They're too shardy, well, if you would. Too sharp. Too like many the, shards on them. Like, like what were all corners? these little pieces that are hanging off of them? Do you know what I mean? I, okay. Yeah, like the hood wouldn't be like one piece. It would be like 17 different pieces. Yes. Yet when transformed, it would be... Well, you know what they take into account too? Like, okay, so Jazz yeah. is a shorter transformer when he's in Autobot, when he's standing upright. Right. Compared to, well, everybody. <laughs> yeah. But but he's also a very small Pontiac Solstice, which is a yeah. sweet, very sexy car that mm-hmm. they don't make anymore. He used, to be, a, he used and, to be a, a Porsche on the show, right? Yeah, but that's not made by GM. That's what I thought. Okay. GM sponsored this whole movie. Yeah. That was the problem, uh, too. You can't be getting no sponsors. Just, you know, work with the cars, try to get the cars you want on the film, and and I don't know. Well, there were I just feel like, like subtle, look at Megatron. Yeah. Well, Megatron was a gun, and I, I was telling... Yeah, you're not going to see it or not, that. I convinced the the missus to watch this with me. <laughs> Both of them. Oh, she watched she watched the big giant thing turn into a tiny gun and then back into a giant uh-huh. robot. <laughs> and I and, well, we actually watched them in reverse order. Okay. Because because okay, so when we watched this yesterday, Transformers the first one, two thousand seven, yeah. was is is free on YouTube. Yeah. Oh, is it so, really? I shouldn't it, have rented it. For, yeah. <laughs> what were you thinking? <laughs> I just happened to stumble upon it one day when I was looking at my um. YouTube. I was on YouTube on my phone, and I happened to click on the movies thing. Mm-hmm. You know, you click the lines, and then it brings up the side menu. Yeah, and it said I had forty six movies. I'm like, I do, but I also have my YouTube link to Movies Anywhere, so it has mm-hmm. all my YouTube, Amazon, 
uh, Google Play, all those, you know, inter- or you know, where I buy, where I've bought movies from before, mm-hmm. Disney, whatever, you know. So I looked at, I was like, oh, it says I have forty something. I was like, oh, Transformers. So I went to Movies Anywhere last night to play it, and I'm like, it's not in here. So just clicked over to YouTube and watched mm. it there. There you go. Uh, but, but I say that to say something completely different. Uh, we we watched this last night, and uh, because it was early enough in the night, I was like, oh, we'll watch this one first just for funsies. Because I wanted to end on a good note, because I was pretty <laughs> sure that the Transformers movie was going to be really good. Mm-hmm. The cartoon. Spoiler. I enjoyed it. But uh, we yeah. watched it, and I'm like, all right, so this is Megatron. He's really tall. In the in the cartoon, he's a gun. Mm-hmm. However, he can't be a. But he, he this was at the time where he turned into a fighter jet in the 2007. I'm yeah. Like, he, they kind of stopped doing that when, you know, when they had to start putting, uh, when 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 kids started getting killed erroneously, <laughs> because they had a gu- a real looking gun that yeah. was either a cap gun or a blank gun or a paintball gun. So they kind of did away with that. Which Rightfully I guess so. I, he doesn't even have to be a gun, even if we want to go with physics. But even even as a plane, sweet. But it, it just felt like the de- and I think maybe it was about making the Decepticons look kind of, I don't know, a little bit evil. more intimidating and evil. But a lot of mm-hmm. them had it was very jagged and and sharp and shard looking kinds of like pieces that hung off of them. And the one I hated the worst again was Megatron. They didn't have to make him look like that. Like he could, he just felt like. You took, um, I don't know, a, a, a silver vase and shattered it, and then and then took a, a broomstick and then glued all the different shards to it. That's what he looked like. I'll tell you exactly what he looked like. He looked like the ex- the interior skeleton of Wolverine with the adamantium <laughs> on it. You know, when it's in like that floating tube of just that yeah. liquid. Yeah. And then they put a body inside of it. Exactly. Exactly. It, oh, oh, here's an even better one. If you take Vincent D'Onofrio from Men in Black, where he looks all goofy, like toward the latter half of the movie, because he's a bug inside that yeah, husk giant of a person. roach or whatever. But then you put like an, a skeleton around him. <laughs> Dude, it's I'm just like, telling you, it just yeah. it really threw me off. Um, some of the other designs also threw me off also. But I mean, it still also threw me off also. Sure. Uh, but it still was, you know... It, it was passable for me. I was like, okay, we have to update it. It's not going to look like the cartoon, right? That's a little much. Uh, but I don't know. What they did to us, a lot of those Decepticons was a little much. Um, I like Bumblebee. I thought they, he looked cool when he was in robot form. I also mm-hmm. liked that you know he was a Camaro instead of a... Did uh, you like the mask that came down that yeah. made him look more like a bee? Yes. I thought that was rad, dude. Um, and the, and the, let's not forget all the subtle hints to a bee. A, bu- you know, a bug like they had the bug the bee yeah. bug yeah um uh he had uh, air freshener yeah. from the mirror and when they went to buy a car another little subtle nod to jazz as a porsche they drove through the porsche parking lot yes over to and, bernie max car dealership and i remember seeing that thinking oh snap are we gonna see jazz immediately like not this last time i watched it, but the first time when it came out um, and then when you saw the VW bug sitting there, it was like, oh, that's mm-hmm. awesome. And I loved that it. That was their loved, subtle hint. Uh, yeah, it was a little nod to, hey, don't forget, you know, this, 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 is, this, is, this is where they started, but we're moving this way now. Um, it was cool. Because of you GM. Know, that yeah. part was Thanks, cool. GM. Now, the one part that I wanted to pull up, too, was like, what was the deal with any time they were battling each other? Um, it was like this crazy flipping, twisting, parkour-style fighting. All over everything they did was all of these super crazy like diving spinning you know i don't know here if 
here's what I took from that. This is the the logic I think behind that, and and here's me trying to think like a like a maniac, Michael Bay. <laughs> yeah. Um, the idea there is to show that the Decepticons don't care who they hurt as long as their agenda is fulfilled, whereas the Autobots are sacrificing life and limb to protect those in the way of this battle because they make gigantic, huge property damage bills for everything. Like even just walking around in the backyard. Mm. But they're trying to be cognizant as best they can. I mean, you put a bull in a china okay. shop and if something's going to break, but that, that's my takeaway. Again, I see I'm not by, by design. I don't think like a maniac, but <laughs> that's my best assumption. Okay. Yeah. I got gotcha. you. Overall, the plot is okay. I got to tell you, there was one piece of the plot that was uh, incorrect, and it made me think, you know, before you do that, why don't you do research and make sure what you're saying is right? Uh, at the end of the film, they decided to dump a lot of the Decepticons out in what was uh, what's called the uh, Laurentian Abyss, and they called it the, the deepest spot on Earth. And that's like actually Mariana's not true. Trench? It, it, that's what it is. Mariana's Trench is the Mar- one that's Mariana, the deepest. Mariana Trench. Yeah. Pardon. Yes, yes. So I heard that. I was like, wait a second. That's not true. I was like, come on now. Well, keep in mind, that could have been the case 13 years ago. Mm, I don't think so. (laughs) I think we've Uh, had Mariana Trench, you know, knowing, you know, knowing the the area uh, longer than that. I think, yeah. How long ago did we discover it? So, Chris, are you saying that you're going to go with the, are you going to say you're going with the defense of nah uh Nuh-uh. Uh-uh. Oh, 19, I'm looking this up right now. The first descent by any vehicle uh, into the Mariana Trench was 1960. So, so way to go. There you Maybe go. it just sounded more, I don't know. Yeah, I think I just think it was somebody didn't do the right research when writing that piece. Um, but other than that, other than that, it's, dude, not, a real, it's, 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 it's a, not real. Yeah, exactly. It's a, it's, it's a film, right? There's no, no real transforming Autobots either. So, uh, the, again, the plot is straightforward. Let's get into the actors and acting. cartoon we have all voice actors and when i was watching the because i didn't remember this from from you know being a kid but when i was watching it as an adult and started seeing who was in it i was like holy crap this is a great cast of voice actors dude absolutely i mean there's some there's some uh i think uh not not i think i know there's some people that are uh, doing one-offs here yeah and but there's some there's some stalwarts here as well which you would expect um, immediately we're just starting with the man himself, dude, Peter Cullen, mm-hmm. uh, the man you had a chance to meet. I did. And, uh, does, is his normal talking voice anything like that or is, is it deeper or does he do make it deeper to do the, the Optimus voice? He makes it a little deeper, but there's that resonance that it's not gravelly, but you know, that, that gravitas that he has, you, mm-hmm. you hear him talk and you, you can hear the Optimus Prime in his voice. It's awesome because when we when we when we're watching the the animated version, uh, you can also hear that they they added this weird kind of effect to the voices. You know what mm-hmm. I mean to give it that robotic sound. But in the in this in the live action film, they didn't. You know, so it was just him being able to drop his voice in in that tone uh, and pull it off. But but on this side of it, on the on the animated side, it gets like these this kind of digital. I don't know, like resonant sound that's added to almost all of them, the way they speak. Um, 
which is pretty cool too. And so you, but you still can hear certain actors. So Peter Cullen immediately, like, dude, this dude is like, I mean, I, what do you, what do you say? He's he's had quite a career. Uh, he's well known, well known in the community in, in ter- you know, the the pop culture community in terms of being the voice of Optimus Prime. Yeah, I mean, there is no other voice of Optimus Prime. Yeah, you try to tell me that, and I'll just laugh in your face. Yeah, and it's going to be crazy that whenever there's that decision made to try to, to try to replace him. Um, I mean, at some point, I guess you're going to have to, unless we're going to have him sit there and read every single word known to man, so they could just stitch it together when needed. You know what I mean? You mean like they allegedly did with uh, James Earl Jones for Star Wars? Wait, did they really? Allegedly, I did not know that. Or, That's a or crazy he story. Said, Allegedly, or he said a lot of words over the course of time into a microphone where they can just Tupac his voice. There you go. Yeah. Um, he also, Peter Cullen does Optimus Prime, but he also does Ironhide. Um, Hot Rod Rodimus Prime is played by none other than the criminal himself of The Breakfast <laughs> Club, Judd Nelson, dude. I didn't realize that until I looked at the credits. I saw his, yeah, I saw his name at the at the beginning of the film. I was just like, Judd Nelson, this is going to be fun. And then I heard his voice uh, when he's out there fishing with Daniel. I was like, okay, all right, he's playing Hot Rod. That's cool. Daniel's a voice. Daniel. Friggin' Daniel. What did he do in this movie? <laughs> I don't know, dude. Was he a character from the show? I don't remember him. I don't remember him being a Spike was the kid in the show, right? Uh, Spike was the dad. Daniel was the son. Their last name, Witwicky. Oh, that's funny. Okay. I see what they did there. Oh, yeah. man. Um, dude, Ultra Magnus, played by Robert Stack. Immediately I knew his voice. Immediately. Yeah. Were you waiting for him to say, next on Unsolved Mysteries? Why are <laughs> exactly. robots turning into cars? Yeah, man. Um, Robert Stack's in this. Let's see. Who else is in this? Leonard uh, Nimoy. Who's that? Yeah. Leonard Nimoy. Perhaps you've heard of him. Yeah. Uh, he used to play a, a, a very little known character named Spock on yeah. Star Trek, but he played Galvatron, um, which is interesting, right? So that when when Megatron uh, ends up becoming morphed into this Galvatron, they didn't keep the same voice actor. No. Wonder why that was. Uh, probably the slight difference in voice. Although, you know, uh, Frank Welker, also cool dude. Plays about a million D different. Well, let's see, one, two, three, five, six oh. by my count characters. Yes, which with various levels of processing, like he did Soundwave. And mm-hmm. now, granted, if you could do Soundwave, <laughs> yeah, if you could do it without sounding like you're a dog with your mouth full, <laughs> exactly. Then you know that's that's a talent. But um, well, uh, what's his name? John Machida Jr. Oh, Micro be- Machines exactly the second I, I saw blur and i heard him talk i'm like hey it's the micro machine guy <laughs> i knew he was in this but i couldn't remember what character he played because i i have spoiler alert i have seen this movie before yeah and i just couldn't remember what his name was but you know him the second you hear him yeah the other one you know when especially immediately when you hear him if you've watched any cartoons in the 80s or listened to american top 40 radio back in the day uh, Cliff Jumper was played by Casey Kasem. Casey Kasem. Casey Kasem. Now I didn't know this. Did you know Casey's uh, real name was Kamal? No. Kim, Kamal Amin Kasem. Huh. No, but I know uh, he also voiced Scooby or Shaggy. Yep. And I know his real name. 
And oh, Shaggy's? Yeah. <laughs> what is it? It's like Norville. Uh, what is it? I forget. <laughs> That's why he just went by Shaggy, dude. It's like Norville something Jr. Uh, no, Norville Rogers. That's it. Nice. He also uh, Shag- he also voiced well, Robin, the animated version of Robin in Batman and Robin. Yeah. Um, all right, so who else? Oh, Orson Welles. Dude, when I saw Orson Welles was in this too, I thought, that's amazing. He plays Unicron. I think it's his last role, if I'm what, not mistaken. Was it really? Yes, sir. That's interesting. I did not know that either. Anybody? anybody? I mean, I'm, I'm saying that assuming still because I'm, I'm looking for his name here, but I'm pretty sure it was his last role. Yeah, he died like before this came out. Um, former member of uh, Monty Python, Eric Idle, plays Rekgar. Yeah, um, there he is. Uh, there is one in here. Uh, very. Uh, I think he was also in GI Joe. I think these guys had multi multi film deals. Uh, oh, Scatman yeah. Crothers. Oh, who did he play? He played Jazz. There you go. I mean, that's not, if that's not type typecasting, I don't know what is. <laughs> I just it's, wanted to hear him start. I'm the Scatman. That's pretty cool, dude. But this is, I mean, like for me, the voice acting on this film was awesome. You know, I think oh, the voices yeah. are great. I think they 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 fit what was needed at the time. Like this, you're talking 1986, so it's very much about the performance of making sure your voice is is grand and and you know the things you're saying, the way there's emphasis on certain things. Um, and 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 for guys like Welker, when you know he's doing you know Starscream, you know there's he's got a uh, not Starscream, sorry, Soundwave. He's got to do that kind of slower draw whatever he's got to do while they process put the the extra processing on it so there's all these different characters had the you know uh, um uh, what's the word i'm looking for they had there was there was uh a, a uniqueness to to each of the characters who they were playing you know what i mean mm-hmm. um the guy that played cup uh lionel where'd it go uh lionel uh stander mm-hmm you don't know this the name I, I i know off the top of my i know just from a your response but b in general uh this dude's filmography is intense but he started doing radio serials and radio stories so he has that Dude. that that voice that that you know not only the voice but the delivery where it's just and, and his his you know he plays an older transformer who is like a weathered veteran of, of all these different, you know, uh, wars and, and everything else. But, you know, so the character d- depiction matches, you know, his, his delivery and, and what he, you know, he's got a few scars and, and, you know, later in the movie, he's like, yeah, you fixed this that I hadn't been able to get taken care of in a long time. But, oh, goodness, gravy. <laughs> just beat up my laptop. Uh, but he, he just has this delivery that is, a to the point, B filled with knowledge, and his picture on Wikipedia is frightening. Yeah, when I saw his picture immediately, I, I was like, I know who this guy is. Then I see some of his other work, and that's why. I Because I didn't watch it like I didn't watch it. My grandmother used to, and I'd see it with her, but he used to be on Heart to Heart. Okay. She's gorgeous. <laughs> but yeah, dude, the the, uh, the entire cast, I feel like, in this animated film did a great job. Like, I was... I was in it. I, you know, I, it wasn't this kind of, ugh, this guy, that's a horrible, you know, the guys, I guess maybe the one thing I could say about it, and this isn't about the voice acting, really, it's about the writing, was there was, there was times where I was, I was like, really? Do they have to write dinosaurs like they, t- like, like moronic? Me yes. do this, you do that. Hey, yes, me they think, do. you think that me. Well, here's why. 
because they're very they're single faceted. They're I'm the I'm the best, so shut up. That's the argument of the of the Transformers, <laughs> and they just go into beating the ha- the stuff out of each other after a while. But the the Dinobots were I mean, it, there's there has to be parity with the Autobots and the Decepticons. So when they introduce, you know, they have Optimus Prime and Megatron. They have Jazz and they have Starscream. They're evenly matched. When they came out with, or when they introduced the Constructicons to make Devastator, which are dumb, basically uh, former high school uh, jocks that peaked early, Mm. uh, they brought out the Dinobots, which they peaked in elementary school in terms of education. (laughs) But they're beefy. I'm beat you up. Me beat you up. Grimlock says so. Yeah, <laughs> you know, so they're they're very similar in in you know they can combine they they have a separate form you know they have a standing form and a vehicle form but then they have a combined form, and they have a similar amount of brain power and everything else. Yep, yep. Uh, let's move over to the 2007 version uh, for cast voices real quick. We have Peter Cullen coming back as Optimus Prime, and I remember being in theaters for the first one. And the second I heard his voice, just be it was like tears in my eyes, dude. It really was. It was this kind of, it, it, I don't know how to explain. It. it was so awesome to hear him coming over the sound system of a theater. Yeah, you you can't. I mean, I know that there was like a big. This was like I think this movie, this movie was in developmental hell for a long ass time. Mm-hmm. And then eventually, when they're like Michael Bay's doing it, we're like awesome, right? And the, at the time, it was like absolutely, mm-hmm. but but even more so than it was cool and by the way peter cullen is doing the voice and everyone's like who's that and that's when you figured out when who peter cullen was and what his name you know <laughs> oh that's optimus prime you know everybody tries to do it but yeah. nobody can do it no you know that uh not, and hugo weaving I, yeah, I that's to say welker didn't come back uh you know for megatron instead they get hugo weaving which hugo weaving's a great actor uh, and he's got a great voice physical, and i think he did a good yeah. job with megatron's but, voice could you tell it was him though? No, I wouldn't exactly. have known it was him. Yeah, and and you know, it says here on Wikipedia that that Michael Bay opted not to bring in Frank Welker uh, for the first one, but guess what? Every other one they did because initially he thought that he wasn't going to be as uh, fit in, so to speak. I'm like, well, that's a dumb idea. It says though here Wilk- Welker would later voice act in the sequels later on, so that's interesting. Um, because Hugo Weaving was one and done. Yeah, he's just like, no thanks, I'm not doing. I'm not going to keep doing this. Yeah. Uh, the other guys that are in here, I mean, I don't really know them so well. Char- oh, Charlie you know, Adler, I know. You know who play, who did the voice of Jazz? You know, Jazz. maybe, maybe his name. McCrary? Who's Darius? Eddie McCrary? Winslow. Yo, really? I didn't know him. Really? I didn't know that's his name. That's insane. He Eddie did jazz, Winslow. dude. I thought to, when I heard jazz too, I was just like, "Oh, um, I, I like it." But it feels it's it, it was 2007, right? We're in 2020 now, and I'm thinking that feels a little mm, like it might not be okay if that's not a person of color. <laughs> but at the same time, it's it, you know what? It goes back to Night of the Living Dead, where yeah, uh, yeah. Dwayne Jones was like, "Nah, yeah, I'm a I'm a learned man. I'm gonna go ahead and do it." the way that represents people properly. Whereas Eddie Winslow was like, Hey, cool. Does the, does the cat, does the check bounce or does it, does it, uh, does it clear? Um, uh, assumptively. Yeah. Maybe I'm yeah. way off on that. 
Um, I'll tell you, uh, Jess Harnell. There's a couple of people here. So I told you, I knew Char- I know Charlie Adler. I knew him from uh, Tiny Toons Adventures and Rocco's Modern Life. And G.I. Joe the movie. Um, oh, what did he do G.I. Joe as well? I don't remember that. Yeah, he was in G.I. Joe the movie. Nice. He, uh, um, let's, let's find but out we here. also have uh, Wacko from Animaniacs was in this. Jess Harnell did the voice of Ironhide and Barricade. Yeah, you know who you know who he did in G.I. Joe? Oh, wait, wrong movie. He played Low Light in G.I. Joe the movie, but uh, in G.I. Joe Renegades 2010 <laughs> to 2011, he played Cobra Commander. Oh, nice. That works. I see that. Now we have a live action cast for this film because this one's a live action. Uh, Sam Witwicky. So I wonder why they decided to change up, you know, names of the of the characters instead of just going with what the cartoons were. Um, Here's a theory. Because whatever. what parent who has a child that grows up to be an adult in 1986, <laughs> what parent of that generation, assumptively Spike was born in 1950-something, mm-hmm. what parent names their child Spike? I'm assuming it's a nickname. <laughs> Well, I mean, I'm Assum- assuming, dude. I, I didn't. I watched it with the captions. I didn't see air quotes or real quotes. Uh, and <laughs> like I, and a, I, like I, nickname what, quotes. Yeah, and when I said air quotes, I actually used my fingers because <laughs> this We're is an auditory medium. Yeah. Um, let's see. So, who's playing Sam Witwicky as Shia LaBeouf? What are the your What are your crazy. thoughts on Shia LaBeouf as an actor? Pre crazy Shia LaBeouf. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, it was kind of uplifting to see a normal not crazy pre just do it Shia LaBeouf um I mean this is post Disney career yeah right after his even Stevens character yeah and and he was normal I mean a lot of these people yeah he wasn't intense he wasn't this kind of crazy method actor style uh actor at the time yeah I mean I think that came later but I mean, a lot of these people in this movie are playing against, uh, well, Bernie Mac is one of the few exceptions here, uh, are playing against type. But, you know, like, um, so, yeah, he's a very polarizing character Mm -hmm. in general. I don't know the man, so I'm going to take the high road and say, I don't, I'm not going to judge him on his life decisions. Yeah. But that being said... If it were me, I would not have made those decisions. Uh, some, if not all, but I don't know his background and et cetera, et cetera. But I thought his acting was done was very well in this movie. It was very believable. Yeah, he played the, you know, the goofy, weird, shy, uh, you know, whatever smart uh, kid. mouth, fast talking kid too, man. Mm-hmm. However, the script, some of the stuff that was just awful. I'm gonna drive her home tonight. Yeah. Okay. Oh, uh, what the hell? Who wrote that shit? Dude, I'm telling you. Well, it was a three-person team that wrote this film, right? Um, but, but I, I'll tell Michael you what, Bay, that guy, you know, had to have a lot of say in there and said, "Why don't you do this or do that?" Because it just feels like some of the stuff they did here was was like, "Oh God, do you really just think that that's all?" Like all teenage boys want is a car and the girl. And I mean, I'm sure that's part of it too. But I feel like we're a little bit more evolved in that by 2007. Well, I think we we learned in this movie that Anthony Anderson, all he wanted to do was play Dance Dance Revolution and look at classified documents. <laughs> and what was with like Shia LaBeouf's friend? Uh, like, all he wants to do is climb trees and hang upside down. Like, and what? And when he answers the phone, wear a wired headphone, uh, wired ear, single earbud. Yeah, I mean, I remember the time. Two thousand seven was very. He- it was pre blue. Well, it wasn't pre Bluetooth, but it was. 
It was on, Bluetooth was a very new thing and you couldn't wear Bluetooth headphone or phones and listen to your music at the same time or, you know, listen to music with one headphone, but you could with a wired earbud mm-hmm. if you had a phone that supported that. Yeah. But yeah, that guy was, man, that guy was, <laughs> that guy was like straight out of three ninjas. <laughs> He's a little much. Uh, so we had Shia LaBeouf, uh, LaBeouf. We had Josh Demel, um playing Captain William Lennox. Um serviceable yeah i think so i mean he he passes i mean i i saw him as 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 a, a military man you know um carries the right intensity that would require that in a, in a role yeah uh megan fox this one is different this so megan fox is in this film as obviously as the love interest you know the hot girl of the film but i remember seeing what was it was she on letterman she's on letterman or something she was on one of these shows and they were talking about her in the film and she did not like this she did not like the way she was asked to act or or what to wear and do these kinds of things for this film and that was the second one i don't know if it was this one or the second one but i know that it was this thing about like she's not comfortable with michael bay and the way he was just kind of over sexualizing and at the time she was still a teenager she's still a kid uh i think she was 18 maybe i mean i guess that's technically an adult, but still little, little yeah. much, little, little, little much, little, little much. Yeah. So yeah, she, no, she was, she had just turned 20. I'm sorry. She had just turned 20. Um, but her in this film, I mean, there's not too much depth in, in her performance. I don't feel like there was a lot of them. You know what I mean? It was, it, she was okay. She was passable as well. You really could have ended that sentence with, there's not much depth in her period of end of sentence. <laughs> Oh geez, um, Tyrese Gibson, serviceable again. Yeah, he's just kind of there because of his name and having you know made his name as a model. There's not much happening in terms of the the way he acts in the film. You know, was, was this some... pre uh, Fast and Furious? Ye- no, Fast and the Furious. I can't remember when that that franchise started. Because was he in the first one, or what? Did yeah. he show up in the second one? Uh, he was in the, f- uh, yeah, he was in the first one in 2000, th- it was pre-2003, because that's when Too Fast, Too Furious, oh wait, hang on, come on, give me the, yeah, he first played in 2003's Too Fast, Too Furious. Yeah, so this was four years prior. So um, yeah. Th- this was after two of the first two. Tyrese is just that one that like all the girls are always like, oh, I love Tyrese back in the day. So like a low rent Tay Diggs, right? Yes. Yeah, I would say um, I totally would say that Uh, they had Rachel Taylor playing uh, Maggie Madsen, a former NSA analyst. Uh, This this blonde girl that that figured out and and she was friends with uh, what was his name? Um, Anthony Anderson. Anthony Anderson. You Uh, know, Rachel Taylor, by the way. What else is Uh, she? uh, If you've ever seen. At least the first episode of the first season of Jessica Jones. She plays Trish, the sister. Oh, okay. I do know her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But with 100% less tan. <laughs> that tan was something to behold. It, it's definitely something, dude. Um, see, that's the thing. I feel like aside from Shia LaBeouf, everybody else in this film, they were just, you know, as we keep saying, serviceable. There were some that were kind of like, meh. Uh, Anthony well, uh, Anderson was fun. I feel like he was a good oh, standout great. character, dude. He's always great. He was great in Romeo Must Die as a bad guy. Yeah, I loved. I loved when he was in the interrogation room. 
oh yeah eating all the donuts and then (laughs) then he turns on her immediately don't do this it was her um oh one of my favorite actors i love this guy john turturro um Um, in this film he's he's again he's serviceable he's not he comes off as kind of a prick uh but overall there's nothing too deep in terms of the character he's asked to play Uh, i just like seeing him i really do i like john turturro i think he's a really good actor what about the uh, wife beater that he wore underneath the, the jersey <laughs> that he made for himself? <laughs> oh, you, okay. God, dude. So, so let's talk about that real S7 quick. S7 in the Superman, uh, whatever you call that design. The the, the crest, the, the chest insignia. Yeah. But did you notice on the back he has Simmons like it's a basketball yeah. jersey? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do you think... Do you think that that was something that he did on his own, or do you think that was actually part of wardrobe? Oh, I gotta say, no, it's it's... Mm. I don't know. You want to know why? Because there were times, there were times in this uh, movie where there was all these little things thrown in for humor that I thought to myself, like, "Ugh, that was kind of unneeded." Oh, those were all Michael Bay things. You could tell, like Miss Training Bra, and and like, whoa, so that's okay, why, dude. yeah, and that's why I feel like this might have been a Michael Bay thing. Michael Bay would have been like, "All right, this dude's gonna have to. He's gonna wear something like this. So let's get him to put that on underneath." Yeah, but Michael Bay isn't clever like that. He just goes for the low hanging fruit. I mean. Oh, I guess yeah, Pers- you're right. Potentially, I mean, if I were to put money on it, I would say that 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 that's the right answer. But yeah. Um. Anyway, yeah. Uh. Let's see who else is here. John Voight as the U.S. I mean, Secretary of Defense. John Voight could phone it in, and it would still be good. Yeah. Like, look at Varsity Blues. Yeah. He's just, yeah 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 he's just straight up. I mean, and he plays this character. Like, I mean, it feels like he's made to play this kind of a character. Like, he's supposed to be in the upper echelons of the military somewhere. You know, this character is the exact opposite of the character he plays in Enemy of the State. Enemy of the State. I don't think I remember. Where with Will Smith, Gene Hackman, John Oh, wow. That's old school. Yeah. You know, where he's like this NSA guy that's like, uh, I'm killing people, by the way, and I'm going to be the bad guy that works in the government. And this time he's the U.S. Secretary of Defense, not so much the bad guy. Yeah. Uh, Kevin Dunn plays Sam Witwicky's father. I Different like this Kevin dude. Dunn. I like Different this dude. Different Kevin Dunn. Not the one that works in WWE. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. I like this dude. This actor um, was uh, way back. I remember him in Seinfeld, but he's also in... You ever see the movie Stir of Echoes? I have not. Uh, he's in that as well. Uh, and he, he plays a character in there that he actually puts in a really good performance. This one, you know, it's a funny performance. It's a little bit more of a comedic side as the dad stay off my grass over and over throughout the film. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Zach, he, he, he played the dad pretty much. Yeah, exactly. On, on, to a, to a T spike, if you will. Exactly. Uh, Zach Ward. Um, if, if you were sharp and noticing him, he was one of the soldiers. Uh, this is the guy that plays Scott Farkas in Christmas story. Oh, really? Yeah. How about that? Bernie. He's also in Freddie, Freddie versus Jason. Yeah, yeah, he is in that. Uh, Bernie Max also in this plays the used car salesman, where where uh, where Shia LaBeouf's character find, goes to purchase the vehicle that ends up being Bumblebee. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a, I mean, there was a couple of other actors, you know, side actors and actresses. Nothing really to to talk talk too deeply about. Um, overall, aside from Shia, I thought Shia put on a pretty good performance. Um, you know, Voight has a good good you know good performance. Torturo's pretty decent. Anthony was great. Anthony Anderson was great. Um, 
other than that, everybody else was just kind of there. It, it wasn't about performance. It was, a, again, this movie was more about spectacle. It had nothing to do about any kind of deep performance whatsoever. Yeah, it was the, the main attraction was the CG, and which we'll get into, but it was the CG robots and the voice actors more than anything else. Exactly. Um, with the, the people servicing as the, the fleshlings, as they were once referred to as uh, basically continuing the plot or fleshing out the plot, no pun intended. Hmm. Um, so, all right. Now let's let's move on to the next section here. Let's go into the soundtrack. Uh, Transformers, the movie, the animated feature, 1986. Uh, like I said, it very much most of the music was, was 80s, like, rock sound. It, almost all 80s hair metal style rock. Um... There was a couple of, of, of pieces that felt like it came straight out of the cartoon, you know, uh, um, score-wise. But other other than that, it just felt like just rock song after rock song in this film. It, it, it was a soundtrack, I mean, more than anything. I mean, you have The Touch by Stan Bush, which was actually a real song. Yeah. But then you have Vince DiColi, Vince DiCola, pardon me, Yeah. Uh, doing at least half of the soundtrack mm-hmm. w- with Weird Al on the junk planet that dare to be stupid. Uh, yeah, I was going to say how like how out of nowhere did that come when it was weird Al after hearing the rest of this film. Well, and I think part of that was because on that planet those guys t- and and I think they call this back very subtly in the live action, but they basically say that they learned everything from watching television. Yeah. And how they learned how to speak by watching television, which you know in the in the live action, Optimus Prime is asked, how do you internet. know our language? He's like, well, we were watching eBay. Yeah, we're looking at the internet. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this, I mean, for me, the soundtrack fits, it fits the the animation. It fits the era. It, it fit what I would expect to be watching when I was a kid and enjoyed watching as a 42-year-old man on my couch, uh, wishing I had a bowl of Lucky Charms. It just fit. Yeah. Um, Agreed. Now we can go over to the 2007 side. Again, this is uh, we, we said we said this right. Like, this is Michael Bay's kinds of thing. He's he's into that video directing, so you know he had a say in music, and the music's gonna have to have that kind of high octane rock that was you know popular at the time. In 2007, you're talking about the new like new metal. So Lincoln Park's on here. Disturbed is on here. The Used is on here. Him is on here. Um. Armor for Sleep's on here. Uh, you know what's missing? What's that? The Strokes. Because Shia LaBeouf wore a shirt that said The Strokes through the first half of the movie. Yeah, and and not on there at all. Not um, on there at all. Yeah. Um, there is one thing, Chris. Uh, I noticed that there is a Transformers the album is what you're referring to. Yes, not the there, score. There's also Transformers the score, which is just the instrumentals that were played, which... Mm-hmm. Why not just make it a double album? But gee, there I go thinking again. <laughs> um, in the film, they also use, especially when Bumblebee's playing music, the Cars Drive, Marvin Gaye's Sexual Healing, uh, James Brown, I'm mean, Player. Like th- th- these are uh, these are all kinds of top hit songs, um, and they were used to further the plot. Exactly. Exactly. Or or you know, not even that much as much as to in in lieu of a voiceover, which I thought was a good creative choice Mm -hmm. but yeah so this is dude this is basically 
this is it. This is the kind of, of soundtrack that you're going to expect with a Michael Bay film. Very, um, very diametrically opposed one track to the other. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the score, yeah, the score I thought was really nice. It was, it, it is, you know, when when we have these more updated films, uh, a lot of times, especially these ones, these big budget ones, they're putting time and thought into the score. You're, you know, you're you're, you're hoping you're not going to get, you know, the opening to They Live. So this this this, this oh wasn't anything like that, dude. This was a this was a really decent score itself. I love how that's become our low watermark. <laughs> right, dude. <laughs> Every time I listen to score now or, or any kind of music, I'm like, all right, just don't don't bring this back 17,000 times throughout the film just when someone's walking. Yeah, walking montage. Uh, I need, we need one of those. Yeah. We, we got a bunch of driving montages, though. Exactly. Just get a walking montage. Um, anything else you have to say about either soundtrack uh, for 86 or 2007? I really liked... Uh, yes, short answer. Uh, long answer. I really liked the use of the touch in the uh, animated version mm-hmm. uh was it the touch uh was it the touch or was it escape uh but it was the one that was playing when when they were first attacked yeah i mean the touch the touch started playing when optimus showed up and shit got real mm-hmm. uh so it might have been it might have been um oh it was nothing's going to stand in our way that's what it was uh they played that when uh, like when Autobot City was under attack and it would kind of interlude, it would kind of go into an instrumental break uh, and then it would be in the very background. I mean, it would be there mm-hmm. and then they would slowly kind of like crescendo it back into, you know, fade it back in rather into uh, toward, the, toward the end when Megatron and, and Hot Rod are fighting. And then he grabs the Matrix off, or when Megatron and or Galvatron and Hot Rod are fighting, mm-hmm. and they bring it back in, and when the when the Matrix starts doing its voodoo, and then like right when he grabs it and opens it, and then like the whole screen gets that theatrical cinematic treatment, yeah, you know, with the brightness and and all that, they started playing it again, and you're like, oh shit, the swelling of music, mm-hmm. the 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 prophecy may or may not be coming true no spoilers here spoiler alert it did uh and and you're just like oh this is this four seconds right here the audio the audio visual just the emotion of it all it's like Mm -hmm. i'm six yeah this is the best this is what i signed up for 74 minutes ago 100 percent so when they do that and they do it in a very good way to kind of convey two different feelings and emotions, you're like, at the beginning, we're getting shit stomped. They're, they're stomping a mud hole in us and they're about to walk it dry. And now it's the everything is the exact opposite. And you're like, let's go. I'm on for the rest of this, no matter what happens. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Um, all right, well... Typically we go into special effects, but because this is a an animated <laughs> film, we're gonna call it we're gonna call this section special effects slash visual. In nineteen eighty six, the animation style, this is we talked about this when we were talking about G.I. Joe, dude. Like this style of eighties animation was just at its prime. It was just such a nice look. 
You know, is that, the, is that a pun, Chris? At <laughs> you its like prime, that? you like that? Was it at its Optimus prime? Um, and this is all Japanese, right? I believe it's all completely Japanese mm-hmm. uh, animated. Toei, Toei uh, is the animation company that that did this through Marvel Productions. Marvel Pro- MP, that's right. Um, Make mine Marvel. For me, it looked great. I loved it. I thought it looks amazing. You know, there are some some things here and there that you always, but I think it's more to, to the animation style. Um, you know, because they have this kind of thing of when. There was like a part where something should be happening, like these explosions or something, and the ground like breaking apart, and it does it in such a slow motion way that you're like, it, the the laws of physics are just not working at that moment. Do you know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. That that was a running gag when her and I were talking while we're watching this. It's like, yeah, uh, they're clearly pandering to physics out there, and uh, <laughs> um, I wonder. I'm, I'm waiting for Neil deGrasse Tyson to comment on it. I want him to do a, a a whole like watch and watch and thing. You know what I mean? Watch along, and he'll just watch and learn. In. Yeah, watch yes. and learn. Yes. And then in parentheses, what's wrong with Neil deGrasse Tyson? <laughs> <laughs> exactly, dude. Exactly. But to me, I don't know. I I feel like, and again, it might just because, uh, you know, it's 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 such a close thing to my heart. This this film, um, that maybe I am skewed, but I don't think that's the case. Because again, a lot of these movies that I thought you know, back on and if warmly as a kid that when I look at it as an adult, I'm like, ugh, you know, and I think I'd be honest about this as well. But for me, I, th- I think it looked gorgeous. I thought the animation on this was top, top notch. Oh, absolutely. And, and I'll even go one step further. I believe that when they showed Unicrom all by himself, mm-hmm. like when he was just kind of moving through space, I felt like it had a Kirby-esque style to it. Yes. Like everything was just, the lighting was a little different. The colors might've been richer and deeper. And maybe it was the version that I was watching. I happened to watch the 30th anniversary edition, which let me tell you, there's some deleted scenes in there, and I was amazed. Really, I don't know which version I watched. I just I got it on PlayStation Store, so it might have been the 30, 30th anniversary one. Um, yeah, there there's just some extra little little nuggets in there. I'm like, this makes more sense now. Like you learn the names of Galvatron's henchmen, and yes, maybe. Yeah. The, mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, well, that's new. Because yeah. I have the DVD floating about here somewhere too, but I'm like, I want a different. I just want to see what's different because I love those tiny little things. The the I like watching deleted scenes because I'm a big weirdo. No, it's so fun. yeah. You just see what was and what did what was cut because of content pacing, you know, what was relevant or irrelevant to the story, and you know, believe it or not, I'm going to take it. Here's a hot take, Chris. Um the the Zack Snyder version of Justice League better when you watch the director's edition than when you watch the theatrical edition oh yeah hot take. by far hot take sean fritch you could write that down <laughs> i think everybody has that hot take by the way uh-huh. um but, but you know also the transforming of of the characters they just went a little bit more in detail still didn't make any sense why do standing upright robots turn into cars <laughs> but i mean they could just put roller skates on right but you know they went they went the long route with transforming them, especially the Unicrom scene where he took his sweet time, and you're just like, "Oh, well, that's a hand." Check that out. Yeah, you yeah. know, it's um, it was yeah. I thought it looked good. I just there's nothing more I can say about it. I thought it looked good. Yeah, 2007 great. special effects. Boy, were they any? Did they use any special effects in this? I it was think all practical, all right? Everything was practical. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They they watched um. They watched uh, Night of the Living Dead, and they're like, we can do that. <laughs> uh, because this was helped produced by Steven Spielberg, you know ILM was involved. 
Uh, I do see here on Wikipedia it says that Spielberg encouraged Bay to restrict computer-generated imagery to the robots and background elements in the action sequences. So stunts such as Bone Crusher smashing through a bus were done practically while cameras were placed in the midst of car crashes and explosions to make it more exciting. Um, there's a lot of practical in this film uh, when they're you know the military out there fighting. A lot of explosions or practical effects. Um, you know it's because rare. it's a Michael Bay film. Yeah, it's rare that you're going to see Bay. Uh, computer generate any of that. He when he, he wants an explosion, he's like, let's just blow something up. Let's do it. You know. Let me pose this question to you. So, do you think when they're writing a when they're doing the final draft with with the director, because the director is involved in in a lot of that, especially Michael Bay. Uh, let me rephrase. I would assume that Michael Bay is. Do you think he says, "All right, guys, I want the explosions in in this scene. It's seven minutes. I want it here, 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 and here." Tell me where, tell me what happens before and after the explosions. Just right up and right after, because otherwise I don't really care. <laughs> exactly. Basically. <laughs> That's what it feels like. Um, but the effects in it, I mean, they're top, dude. I, I think this was, uh, again, pushing technology at the time and what we had to watch the transformation of the vehicles. What I'm seeing here is that ILM created computer-generated transformations during six months in 2005, looking at every inch of the car models. Initially, the transformations were made to follow the laws of physics, but it did not look exciting enough and was changed to be more fluid. So Bay was like, yo, that liquid metal surface on their faces, uh-uh. Instead, make it look more like a Rubik's Cube. And that's what he got. It said he wanted numerous mechanical pieces visible so that the robots would look more interesting, realistic, dynamic, and quick rather than like lumbering beasts. I don't know. I, again, it would have been nice to see some smooth metal instead of every little like piece kind of flecked here and there. Yeah, like the uh, the voice around or the the voice, the face of Optimus Prime. Like he had all those little tiny shards, like you had described it, like right, like like to to make that, like from the the cle- like above, like upper mm-hmm. lip down to the the above the chin. And then had more pieces on the other. I'm like, eh, you know that that's not necessary. You know, the I wonder. I wonder if there's any type of like basic footage, like first or second pass, of of the transforming that was, you know, that was done initially, like the way you had described with physics, or if they had just basically said, "All right, here's the," because you can go on YouTube and find people doing it and adding their own sound effects, which is hilarious. But you know. The Optimus Prime figure, the arms came out from where the wheel wells were mm-hmm. in the front, and then the head just popped up around the the top of the head mm-hmm. or a to- the the by the uh, the top of the cab around the smokestack, and you know, is there any footage of that? Because I wonder if because you know you got to go big or you got to go if you don't go big you go home. <laughs> yeah, I'm, he has to have a jacket that says something like that, like a varsity Dude, Letterman he, you jacket. You know he does. You know he does. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like it's embroidered along the back, the back of his shoulders. Um, you think he's got a jersey that says "Bay, Bay or Home"? <laughs> so this is insane, dude. I'm looking at this. It says that due to the intricate designs of the Transformers, even the simplest motion of turning a wrist needed 17 visible parts. Uh, each of Ironhide's guns are made of 10,000 parts. Bumblebee uses a piece below his faceplate as an eyebrow. Pieces in his cheeks swivel to resemble a smile, and all the characters' eyes are designed to dilate. Here's the other piece. According to Bay, quote, the visual effects were so complex, it took a staggering 38 hours for ILM to render just one frame of movement. What? 
the hell? That's, that's because insane. he want. That's because he wanted Rubik's cube and not more solid liquid. You know, liquid metal looking surfaces. One frame, bro. That's a little much. <laughs> yeah. So okay. So, uh, what is it? The um, there's a YouTube channel. You might like this too, Chris. Mm-hmm. Uh, a bunch of sound, a bunch of uh, VFX guys. Uh, it's called Corridor Crew, and they actually take. They they do watch alongs where they watch bad. It's called like let's watch bad CG, and they they point out all the effects and like the time that it would actually take, and they take into account that hey, this movie was made in 1989. Let's call it RoboCop, mm-hmm. where uh, you know we we've made this uh, comparison. This is 1989. Star Wars came out. All yeah. three of them came out. Yeah. You know, yeah, years oh, before. God, yeah, and what they will do with some things like um, uh, they'll also like go a step further in the movie. Let's take the Willy Wonka thing, for example, with Gene Wilder, if that's the right one. Is it was it Charlie or it was Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory? Yeah. Yeah, sure. Let's let's go with that. Charlie and the so, Chocolate Factory was the Johnny Depp? Johnny Depp one, yeah. Okay. No. God See? dang, I can't remember now. Anyway, yeah, ba- I know what you're Berenstein saying. Berenstein versus Berenstein exactly. Bears, right? No the Mandela effect. Um <laughs> so anyway, the Gene Wilder uh, and the Chocolate Factory. They took this. They went one step further with uh, the girl that drops down, Violet that drops down mm-hmm. through the uh, the egg thing. Mm-hmm. You know where it goes from good to bad. And they're like, what would happen after each of these? Well, actually, they did it with all the kids. So like the kid that went into the the shoot, the the German kid Augustus, yeah. and then Mike. What happened to him when he got transferred back from being little in a TV to being normal size again? And they take these morbid things and they render them. And they do them all in CG and they show the girl like the one that sticks out in my mind is she falls down that that egg weight thing and then just like bangs her head on like every single ragdoll thing, uh, uh, environment like a pipe. Oh, um, God. You know, this or that, like hits her head on a, on a shelf. But this guy said that he did that. He did the animation or he did the, you know, all the stuff, put in the ragdoll physics and whatever and and said that he rendered it or he did it in about a day, but it took eight days to render. Oh my God. It was 45 seconds. Yeah, dude, that's a lot. And so when you have a crew that are saying, hey, we can do this and look at how sweet it looks. And Michael Bay goes, meh, add more doodads. Yeah, no. Nah, They're like, I'm okay, good. well, it's going to take, you know, another two years just to render the film. Meh, make it work. Yeah. Um. Dude, but overall, I mean, I, th- I don't think we can speak ill of any of the effects, special effects, practical effects in the film, um, because I think for me, I thought they were, I mean, they're nice. It was a nice, it's a nice looking film. Yeah, I, I think this was at the time the animation was probably top notch. And, yeah. and I remember the the trailer was that scene with Devastator and Prime on the freeway. And all yeah. you saw was Devastator just basically rollerblading. Uh, initially yeah and then you just saw him and prime tumble over the side of the that's probably the 110 or or i don't know one of them yeah and you know then you're just like okay this looks good this looks better than good yeah yeah again again aside from the aesthetics of what the the characters look like uh the the effects used in in the film on point Agreed. Yeah, I, I think this is Marvel level now, with the way it looked in two thousand seven. Yeah. 
Um, all right, let's let's start closing up the show. So, in the Transformers the movie 1986 version, uh, what are the some of the scenes or quotes that stick out to you most? Well, there's the obvious one. Yeah, one shall stand and one shall fall. Uh, let's also not forget where Spike says shit and damn. Yes, I remember. And so when he said it, shit, I was like, holy shit. Did he just say shit? I had to rewind sure it. Sure shit he did. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's there's just so much. I mean, that one is actually, in, not not shit, but the, you know, one, one shall stand, one shall fall. Yeah. When, again, we watch these in non-chronological order. So, because that takes place in the in the third act of the live action and in mm-hmm. the first act of the animated, the missus turned to me and said, Oh, they said that in the last one. I'm like, uh-huh. Yeah. It's because this is a pivotal scene in the same damn thing. Well, with, with a few exceptions, this yeah. very, it plays out very similarly in reverse though for the live action. Yeah. But yeah, but well, the, um, they, the, I- they, yeah, they both die in the animated. Yeah, yeah. One's yeah. reborn. But well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, one's reborn. Uh, I watched it, obviously, 86 first, then 2007. So yeah, it's, when I watched it again, and I didn't remember, I do not remember that from the live action. So when they said that in the live action, I was like, oh, that's cool. I do like, I liked that there were little things that they threw out and gave a nod to from the animated series in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, Man, what else? Oh yeah, so yeah, obviously the death, the death of Prime was, is, is probably one of the most impactful scenes in that to film. To every little kid ever. Yeah, so even as an adult, man, I'm looking at that going, man, I remember this. That's a little rough. Um, but overall, yeah, this it's a fun film, and and I don't know that there's that many, you know, it's quotable phrases or anything like that. Um, but I think the biggest thing for me is that is the is the battle between Megatron and Optimus, the uh, the one 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 shall fall line, the whole thing that that piece for sure. Uh, what about the live action? What stands out there? Again, uh, the re- repetition of that line suite. I like that. I like also um, when you know it was time for them to leave uh, after they captured Bumblebee. The the uh, the Sector Seven captured Bumblebee, and Prime said, "You know, roll out." It was like, "Oh yes, mm-hmm. I did." Except yeah. that I wanted him to say "transform" and "roll out." I think he said "Autobots." It's time to roll out, or, or yeah. something along those lines, maybe. But yeah, there was. I mean, there was. There was a lot of nods, I think, in the first one. Some of them were were shoehorned in, like where he says, uh, "You're more than meets the the eye." I'm like, "Oh, oh yeah," <laughs> and he's like kicking himself, like, "What the hell's the matter with me? More than meets yeah. the eye." What I would. Uh, is that? Yeah, I would have said that myself if I would have acted that way. Like, oh, are you kidding? Yeah, um, I like. You know what scene I like a lot is the scene where uh, he first gets home with all the Autobots and he's trying to get his shit done, and all these mm-hmm. the, all these giant robots are just kind of trompsling around his yard and you know knocking into wires and stuff. I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah, I mean that was that was kind of silly. It was the oh, what's that Arsenio Hall movie where like if anything can go wrong, it will go wrong to him. It might be a, it might just be like a like a scene, a skit of some from something. Mm-hmm. And I can't remember what, um, but it was a lot like that. Yeah, that that scene in particular. Um, I think, like what you said earlier, the the battle on the freeway was was really uh, memorable. You know, the the roller. Bl- I liked that too. The fact that he was using his wheels to to mm-hmm. travel faster than just running. Um, I thought that was pretty sweet when he goes smashing through the the bus and then 
you know, leaps at, at at prime, and then they just go rolling and flinging each other around. I thought that was pretty sweet. Anytime, really, a lot of the 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 battle between the robots was happening, uh, I was down for. You know, I definitely it's 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 memorable in terms of like we we're actually seeing this as a live version. Yeah, and I think that they took a lot of those. Well, how does that make sense? Moments or mm-hmm. scenes or you know those those gigantic leaps of logic where it's like, well, they have wheels. Why don't they use them when they're not in vroom vroom mode? Yeah. And in the live action, they probably did that to, they probably put a little bit more logic into it uh, and made it visible. Because Devastator is a, is a grouping of five Constructicons. It's not one giant, you know, dump truck or whatever it was. Yeah. So they kind of played around with that a little bit. Uh, one thing I did find funny, uh, quote, I guess it was, it was uh, the begin, the very beginning of the animated where it says, it, it is the year 2005. I'm like, no, not really. It's 2020 here. Oh, that's right. It was 20, 2005. Holy cow. Yeah. And, and I... <laughs> it's funny too, because uh, like, like, that's 1986. So, so to them, that's what, 20, 20 years in the future? 30 years? 19. But... Uh, so I, I looked over at her and I'm like, yeah, uh, this is 20, 2005 when they went so far forward that they ran out of numbers and they had to start over at zero and we're now back up to 2005 again. Cause you know, yeah, living beings, robotic living beings that can change their form because why not? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right, dude. Are you ready to give Ooh. these a score? I certainly am. And uh, we're doing this out of five, ro- or one, two, three, four, or five, or any combination thereof of robots in disguise. So, yeah, five. So I'll, I guess I'll ramble here for a little bit. Sure. Um, so for the first one, for the 1986 version, um, I will say that uh, out of five robots in disguise, uh, I mean, this is this is going to be a, not going to be, this is a movie that I have, watched and enjoyed uh more than once uh it is a very good movie uh the voice acting is great um at at my age now i can appreciate the actors the voice actors and the real deal actors that lent their voice to this movie um even more than when i was uh you know i think the first time i actually saw this because i didn't see it in the theater as a kid i would have been three so transformers was not on my radar at at the ripe old age of three Mm -hmm. So, uh, so the first time I actually saw this was at the re-release when it came out on DVD for the first time. And I want to say that was like 2003 or 2004, uh, ish. Um, no, it had to have been 2006. I think they put out a, the first time on DVD 20th anniversary or something like that, but that's when I watched it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, so but you know, just and even then, not realizing who some of these people are, because when you're that age, you don't you don't care. When you're in your early to mid twenties, you have other things that you're worried about. Um, but you know, just looking at the you know, and 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 even meeting some of these people now, like Peter Cullen and Frank Welker, are super fun to talk to. Seeing other uh, things that that these other voice actors have done, like John Machida Jr. with the Micro Machines and holding the world record for the, you know, being able to talk super duper fast and appreciating Leonard Nimoy, not just for Star Trek, but for everything else that he did. And Orson Welles, not being above doing a cartoon. 
and you know and 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 everybody else that you know like Chris Lotta was also was the original Cobra commander if I'm not mistaken uh the voice of him anyway because you know it was a cartoon also uh and uh, and um was he I want to say he was yeah he was Cobra commander Mm -hmm. see I remembered that uh smart guy right here but you know but everybody else that was involved and and you know and then Robert Stack, watch, having watched Unsolved Mysteries with my dad when I was a kid, and he has the voice that you're like, this is business. He was the Sprint Man before there was a Sprint Man. Remember that guy? Yes. And, you're you know, right. Sca- How about Holy that? Holy cow. Wow. You know, Ka- Casey Kasem being uh, in an, yet another cartoon, another animated feature, uh, sec- uh, you know, aside from Scooby-Doo and whatever else he did, uh, Animated wise, animated voice wise. I mean, obviously he did Casey Kasem's Top Forty Countdown, but Scatman Crothers being the guy that gets hung from the plane in Scarface, you know. And then you have just your 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 Hasbro regulars in here as well. Like I said, uh, Chris Lotta, a couple other people. But just bringing all these people in and giving a great presentation, giving a great you know acting wonderfully, uh, voice acting wonderfully. Um, the animation was was superb. It, 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 I think it's always been in when they when they do the movie treatment, when they do the cartoon on the TV show. Maybe not as much, but you know, whatever. Um, you know, the story serviceable, shortened to the point. You know, the the standard standard uh, version is 86, 85 minutes, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken. So it's you know, like I said, it's to the point. Um, and the movie poster is amazing. Oh yeah, uh, interesting. Interestingly. Optimus Prime is not featured, whereas Ultra Magnus is. So, mm-hmm. it also gives a little bit of deception to the the plot of the movie, because you think Ultra Magnus is the. I mean, he is the heir apparent, but he's not the chosen one, as it were. Right. So you know, with all that, you know, the acting, the 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 script, everything else, you know, I mean, this movie is, and and it it hits me in the everywhere that's that's good and right in this world because this world is questionably at best at this point uh i gotta go 1986 is five out of five for me nice 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 what do you give uh 2007 uh so as far as 2007 goes uh the acting was for the most part serviceable i mean there was one or two standouts here and there there was a lot of people playing against type some people were definitely playing into their type. Uh, I'm looking at you, Anthony Anderson, and I appreciate every single second of it. Yeah. He's like, what's his name? I can't remember his name now off the top of my head from Ant-Man. Um, oh, Paul Rudd. No, no, no. The the, the Hispanic guy. Oh. Um, oh. That's who he reminds me of, though. That kind of like fast-talking, loud-mouthed, super Michael funny. Pena. Yeah, yes, Michael Pena, dude. Exactly. Okay, so only thing missing was the Stan Lee uh, moving his lips with the Michael Pena voiceover. <laughs> That would have been something to behold uh, in, in Transformers. Yeah, you can yeah. see that in Ant-Man too. Um, so the second one, uh, it was it was a nice update. It was the story, maybe not believable. Um, you know, I think the only thing that would have made it even less believable is if you had like Cactus Jack run in somewhere. <laughs> um, you know, you have giant, you know, amorphous robots that are sentient which is scary but maybe that was playing on the i mean i wonder what alex jones had to say about this movie mm-hmm. you know it's coming true the machines are coming to life <laughs> i mean he said some wild stuff lately so yeah. 
You look that up on your own later if you want, dear no listeners. Thanks. It is, or just watch John Oliver. He will rip apart there you go. everything Alex Jones says. Uh, back to the show. Um, you know, it was the acting was serviceable. It was kind of endearing to see a sane and coherent Shia LaBeouf. Uh, it was also, I mean, the cast is solid. You have you have some heavy hitters in here. You have some people that have some some longevity in Hollywood, and pairing that for the most part with, you know, the voice actors that you were expecting to hear. Peter Cullen. Can't go wrong there. Um, Scatman Crothers, not available for this project. It's kind of dead. Mm. Uh, not to sound insensitive, but, you know. It's not happening. Uh, yeah, Hugo Weaving, I don't know that he was necessary because they processed his voice in such a way that was not really... I mean, they did that with all the Decepticons too. So it's, and, and with, you know, a lot of the other people as well. Peter Cullen, just, you don't have to do anything with that voice. I mean, he is the voice of Optimus Prime, you know, just end of sentence there. Uh, as far as this one goes, the story was serviceable. It was long. It was over two and a half. Hours. It was like two hours 40, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. But it, it's like two, but it was. Or 240? Uh, 143 minutes, 223, two hours, 23 <sighs> minutes. But at the same time, it wasn't, I mean, it was long, but it wasn't like, all right, when's this over? Because I got, I got something else to do that's not watching Transformers. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that was, I think, one of the bigger knocks against it. Um, but the story for, an, for a, 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 a pseudo origin, uh, paying nods to the original uh, and the series as a whole, as well as adding to the lore... Um, you know, I'm going to have to say, uh, you know, it wasn't, wasn't bad. Uh, it, it was, it was, it was, I think it, it helped it. So I think I'm going to have to go with, uh, 4.25 out of five on the, uh, 20, 2007. Nice. All right, dude, for me, uh, animated version, I, I I'm going to mirror basically everything you said, so I'm not just going to say it over again. Uh, but yes, this is for me, one of those that it does, you put it on, you're not going to go wrong in being entertained. It lived up to my memories. It lived up to the nostalgia. Uh, it, it thoroughly enjoyed the animation. Thoroughly enjoyed, you know, the storyline. You know, and again, there's a lot more depth in the animated version. So uh, for me, it's oh, it's it's a much superior film to the film the you know the 2007 version. Uh, though it is dated, there are certain things on it that's dated. There's still hokiness. It's a cartoon, so you know, there's parts of it that. You know, certain lines are corny or whatever, but it, it still fits. It's it's a part of the package deal. Um, you know, music is awesome right off right off the top. I just love the music. It's it just brings you back to being a kid. Um, overall, for me, I'm 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 giving this a five as well. So I'm with you easily. Transformers the movie 1986 is a five. Um, now for 2007. I I don't know if I can give it as much as you. So it's it looks good, right? It looks really good. Uh, it's got a good cast of, a cast of actors, like you said, some heavy hitters, um, and everyone's doing a decent job. There wasn't anyone where you're just like, man, why did they cast that dude in the role, right? Um, special effects again are on top. It was it's a it's a very nice looking film, and, and it's a Michael Bay film. So being an, a a big budget kind of popcorn movie, this this. It's it's all about the explosions and the the slow sweeping shots and and all of these specific angles and lighting. Uh, it looks nice. 
it's just yeah it's like i'm i'm with you in that there it's it's it seems like a shallow husk like there could have been a lot more depth put into it they really tried to make you feel like they're what you should be having like emotional heartstrings when when uh you know when they were first getting you know messing with Bumblebee and taking him in and and uh Shia LaBeouf's character was doing everything he could to try to go stop them and then again later after his legs get you know Bumblebee's legs get torn off and and Shia LaBeouf's character doesn't want to leave him. Like you're, you're expecting him to be, but it felt, it felt kind of forced. Like they hadn't been together that long now. Um, there was another part of it too, the writing where, you know, prime had just been on earth for less than, I don't know, seven hours. And he's already saying, let Bumblebee go. You know, these humans, uh, they've really proven themselves to me. I'm like, what are, you, what, are you, what are you talking about? You just got here. How do you know much about hum- the humans at all? And, and I guess I, it's kind of pushing it towards Prime being a very noble type of leader, but still, it felt it felt super forced for me. So there were times in this in this film that you know, uh, I felt yeah, it was a little much. And then could it have been shorter? A hundred percent. You could have cut down a lot of the garbage. But it's Michael Bay, dude. If he's not getting every single one of his explosions in, he's not going to allow you to you know have the film you want. So if you want the script and you want all those things read and said by the actors, you're going to have to fit in all his explosions and chases and these, you know, long sequences of, of, you know, special effects shots. And it's, it's, yeah, it's a lot, it's a lot, but it's not bad. So with that in mind, um, I'm giving this one a 3.75. I couldn't give it a four. It wasn't it wasn't anything less than a three seven five for me, but but it was still it was it's 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 entertaining. You know, if you want to put it on, it's entertaining, but it's not gonna hold it didn't hold my attention the way the animated one did because there were a few times I found myself looking at my phone and then going, Oh crap, I gotta pay attention to this. Yeah, basically if you want to watch giant robots beating each other up, that that's your movie. Yeah, exactly. Uh if you want to turn off your brain and just watch some ex- you know, special effects and all that stuff, that's definitely your movie. Uh, you want to actually gonna, get get into one that has a good story, dude, and, and maybe that kind of uh, where you can start to feel something for the characters. Uh, the animated one's the one you want. Yeah, I'm going to correct a sta- statement you said when you want to. If you want to turn off your brain, blah, blah, blah. no. If you're watching this movie, you've already decided to turn off your brain. <laughs> your brain's not working if you put it on already for the entertainment. But yeah, yes. So that's for me, man. Five, five. Uh, you know, five robots in disguise for the animated and 3.75 for the live action. So next Ooh, week, talk about a talk about shifting gears. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely shifting gears next week. We're definitely, we're doing something different for the month of December. Um, we're going to, we're definitely doing this. We're not going to say we're doing it. We're definitely doing it. Uh, we wanted to try to hit all of the, ho- all of the, ho- you know, Halloween creepy films for October and, you know, scheduling didn't work out. We're putting things into into place now to, to to plan for anything like that. So the month of December, we're gonna have a guest with us. We're gonna have a good friend of a sh- of of ours. Um, he hasn't been on the show yet. This will be. We actually haven't had anybody on our show yet. Uh, he'll be our first yeah. guest. He's gonna guest with us on the next, I believe, three or four films because he's a huge fan of the Ernest P. Worrell series. And so we decided we're gonna do that so that we could end with Ernest Saves Christmas. But before we get to Ernest Saves Christmas. Next week, we're doing Ernest Goes to Camp. Now, Eddie, if you don't stir it, it'll clot on you. Something burning? Here, look at that for you. Hey, hey. Look at that. 
Jake's specialty du jour, eggs erroneous. It's made with powdered eggs and 17 herbs and spices smuggled into this country by Tibetan monks. Ernest, I want you to cut yourself a big knock out of these eggs erroneous. No, I, I can't eat on an empty stomach. Well, of course you can. Eddie doesn't look at that rosy glow to his teeth. No. Oh, come on, Bill. No. Now, Ernest, would somebody dress like this lie to you about food? Fond as I am of Tibetan cooking, a hungry lion hunts best. Know what I mean? Now, come on. Take you little bite. Have you ever seen it? You've seen the Ernest I've movies? I have seen none of these at all. <laughs> this is going to be fun. I know... I know more about Ernest in the last 45 seconds than I know about the entirety of Ernest because I happen to be on the Ernest P. Worrell Wikipedia page. Yeah. Um, don't go too deep, dude. I want you to be able to see this without any kind of, uh, what do you call it? Um, oh, don't worry. Tainting. I, I, I won't because three quarters of this Wikipedia page is his family tree. <laughs> <laughs> that's what <laughs> that's gonna be interesting dude that'll be definitely interesting to look into uh as we talk about these films but so next week we're doing Ernest goes to camp our good friend johnny townsend's gonna be joining us um other than that you have anything to say before we head out of here stay safe mask off be smart use common sense if you don't have any find somebody that does and use theirs there you go there you go well folks thanks so much for listening to us uh we appreciate it uh, again, we're going to make sure to to come at you more more consistently. And so next week, we'll see you then. Until then, you can now unsilence your phones. <laughs>